In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. In the Lab time it is. Drew Doherty with my good pal, John Harris. John, how are you, my friend? I'm hanging there, Drew. Uh, not, not the greatest. Nope. You might have to crank up my volume a little bit because yeah. the voice has been uh, not so good. How about that? Is that better? Yeah, that's a little bit better. Editing Just, on uh, the fly, friends. We're turning. No, uh, we're opening a little curtain, like uh, peering behind it. I'm straining a little bit. I've got. I got. A, I picked up a cold on Friday of last week. And it's it, not the Thursday measles, is it? Week. It's a cold, not I the hope. measles, right? The measles are coming not. back. I hear. I hope I don't have the measles. I think I got my measles shot like 50 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. You're that old. Yeah, I'm that old. Oh, way older than you. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Anyways, um, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to turn the page, John, because Bill O'Brien said it Sunday, said it Monday. Terrible, terrible the offense was. So we're turning the page. Okay. We're focusing on the Falcons. It's, in a lot of ways, like looking in the mirror. Uh, they're 1-3, one, one Texans are 2-2, two and two, so really just a game apart separating these two. Coming off an ugly home loss and looking to get right. So what we're going to do today is we're going to each have two reasons the Texans will rebound this Sunday. Okay. Then, a little later, we're going to have a cream of the crop, like we always do. A little tougher this week, but Mm -hmm. it's going to probably be on the defensive side of the ball. And then we're going to finish things, since it's Founders Day coming up, we're going to go back in time to where we were in October of 1999. Because, listen, we're going to hear all about Get the Franchise. We're going to hear more about Bob McNair, justifiably so, all throughout this week. But what about us? This is our podcast. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to go back in time. But it's our podcast. It's our podcast. Sorry, like in the that. lab. Two reasons the Texans will rebound. You're going to get your chance, but I'm going to go first because okay, go um, I'm just not as creative as you. And also, public service announcement, my friends. It was a home game on Sunday, and home games, I'm up on the deck normally doing some in-game updates with the pregame, halftime, postgame show. But I also have to go down to the field every game at least once to do pressure luck and give some people yeah. some groceries, some autograph memorabilia. That's, really, I love that. That's one of my favorite segments. It's a I fun time. Yeah, I love that. So I'm walking a lot, you know, and I yeah. miss some things when I'm walking. And then in addition to that, last Sunday I had to go over to NRG Center for the cartoon yeah. voicing. So that's like a five minute hike, ten minute hike. So I missed it quite a bit there too. Yeah, your Harris hits is always. I mean, it's good every week, but it was good for me. Right. Selfishly, this week because I was able to kind of fill in some blanks. I mean, you go over the key plays, the turning points, stuff that maybe not everyone picks up on, but you do, and it's awesome. So if you guys aren't reading that, you're doing yourself a disservice. Thank you. Two reasons the Texans will rebound, though, John. Okay. Here's one. All right. Deshaun Watson's history. What has Deshaun Watson done after a game in which he wasn't stellar? And I'm going to say he was not stellar in this last game. wasn't bad, but he just wasn't stellar. You know, he wasn't the electric Deshaun Watson that we've come to know and love. Well, historically, he followed up uh, the Jags game this year with the Chargers game. Right. He was FedEx Air Player of the Week. I mean, he was amazing. Out in L.A. Out in L.A. Last year, for example, the Buffalo game, Texans eked out a win, but he got picked off twice, a a touchdown. He followed that up with the Jags game. He was 12-24 on the road at the Jags, right. but that's one of the greatest games in his history because he had to get on the bus yes. because of his lung. Right. He threw the one touchdown pass. He threw the pass to um, DeAndre Hopkins that he caught and pulled in, and he led the offense and, and did such a good job. So historically, he bounces back after games in which he's not exceptional. 
And I think that's something that's going to happen this week. And what happened after that Jacksonville game in week eight, just a few days later, he has more touchdowns than incompletions Yeah, against the Miami Dolphins. Yep. So he bounced back in a, in a major way. And that, that obviously is the hallmark of Deshaun Watson, that he bounces back from a rough game. I remember in college they lost his final year. They only lost one game. They lost to Pitt at home. And Pitt was Pitt's playbook that day was amazing. There, I mean, it was so many smoke and mirrors, but it was brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. And Pitt ended up on a game-winning field goal by a guy named Chris Blewett. Did not blow it. <laughs> and they beat Clemson 43-42. And Deshaun, in that game, had an interception down inside the deep red zone going in. And it sort of turned the tide back towards Pitt in the second half when when Clemson was making a comeback. He turned around after that and was stellar the rest of the year for yeah. Clemson. And obviously we know he did the national championship game against Alabama. But he bounced back from that Pitt loss and didn't lose, played extremely well down the stretch. They win the ACC championship. They go to the, national, they go to the playoff. He plays very well against uh, Ohio State. And they get a win on New Year's Day in, or New Year's Eve. And then they played tremendously against Alabama. Uh, and he makes huge plays in that. So it he's always been a guy to so, bounce so, back. It's almost in his DNA. Right. It's almost right. who he is. I mean, great players. You know, look at what Tom Brady did on Sunday. Tom Brady was not great at all. And I'm not saying Deshaun Watson's Tom Brady. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying great players have off days. Mm-hmm. Brett Favre threw six interceptions, I think, one time against the St. Louis Rams. And they were St. Louis at that time. In a playoff game. It It, it happens. To everybody. And I think what's mystifying to me, Drew, and I, I, I did some, some numbers work on the last the last I did the last five games at home for versus the last four games on the road. And it's it's kind of odd. The last four games This last, is eerily odd because I've you told me ahead of time. This is really, really weird. So the last five games at home including the playoff game. So going dating back to the Colts' regular season loss. In December, yeah. So Colts, and then Week 17 was the Jags. Playoff game, Colts, and the first two home games this year. Deshaun is completing 64% of his passes for 211 yards in a total of two touchdowns and one interception. The last four games on the road, he's completing 73% of his passes, averaging 313 yards, he has a total of 10 touchdowns and one interception. He has not thrown less than two touchdowns in any game on the road the last four. And so in comparison, the last five at home, the last four on the road, he's nine percentage points higher on the road, over 100 yards on average per game on the road, and two touchdowns on average more per game on the road. It's kind of bizarre. And... I think I, I I don't it's think it's strange. that bizarre. I think it's I think it's more exciting for him to play quarterback when the crowd's against him. No, I, I think that is that's it's, part it's of extremely it. yes, loud. Because what does this guy do? We go back to his DNA. Yeah. What does this guy do? He thrives in high pressure situations. You right. go back to his his playoff runs in college. You go yep. back to played in two state championship runs. Won one of them, lost another in Georgia in yep. high school. I, I don't think it's all that weird, and I only think it's going to get better. I, like That's not something that seems like a stat for a guy like him, for a player like him, for a quarterback like that, that stays constant through history. I think it's probably going to regress to the, to the mean on both sides. You yeah, know, like, I think there will be some homeostasis. Yeah, I, sure. I think he's yeah. probably going to get better at home. And we've seen him play great here. I mean, oh, yeah, you, yeah. you just brought up the Miami game. You bring up 
both Tennessee games, yeah, which the Texans have won by du- double it's digits. It's been phenomenal. It's just this for some reason this is some run at home that has been I don't know. It's it, been it, weird. You know? it, yeah, and that, that's that's kind of my point because we have seen him. I mean, the first time that he started at NRG Stadium, the Texans put up fifty-seven points. Yeah. So, and then the next time that he played in NRG Stadium, it was against Kansas City Chiefs. He threw five touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. So it's. It's just this kind of blip on the radar screen that's that's bizarre, but I'd and like the, to see it change. And, and here's the other one that stood out. Wait, wait. You brought up those five games going back, five home games? Yeah. Texans are two and three in this. They won the Week right. 17 one against the Jags, and they won the, the game against the Jags this year. The other three they lost. In that, he has not he's not thrown a touchdown in a regular season game since that Colts game. He threw a touchdown to Kiki QT in a playoff game. I don't really know why that is. It just I got to thinking about that. I was like, man, we were kind of struggled at home for some reason, and so I looked at that. And look, Deshaun's Deshaun's not the the reason that those five games, you know, in large part of that Jags game in Week 17, he ran for a bunch of yards mm-hmm. and 25, 35, 234 yards, pretty solid. Just didn't throw for any touchdowns. And there have been some good defenses. The Panthers and Jags have got good defenses. The Colts have a good defense, but. You're facing some pretty salty defenses on the road. The Saints, the Chargers, the Eagles all have pretty good defenses on the road in pretty hostile environments. So I think this thing swings back. I think what we have to keep in mind is, yes, it's Deshaun's third year, but it really is kind of at the tail end of his second year of starting. And so young quarterbacks are going to go They're going to go through that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're going to go through the hills and the valleys at times. And for some reason at home, it's kind of been that way. But maybe this is an opportunity against the Falcons to get it right Marcus Mariota had a good week against them last week. And the NFL's a strange it, – it's really gotten to be odd to me, Drew, about how the NFL – like last week was – if I would have said to you before the week, the AFC South is going to have two 3-1 and one teams and two 1-3 and three teams, or it's going to have all four 2-2. Two and two. Which one? If it's going to be one or the other, which one are you going to lean to? Like, well, the Texans and Colts are both playing at home, and they're playing the Panthers and Raiders. I think I'm going to go more with the three and one teams. Yeah, they lose the other two win. Everybody's but two and two. But it flipped. The two road teams won, and two home teams lost. Well, hell, Everybody's look, two and two. And look at the Ravens. You know, yeah, they get smoked two. at home against the Browns. Yeah, it's I mean, smoked. Yeah. So look at the Rams. What happened to them? They got drilled by the Bucks. It was a really strange a team that had to cr- travel cross country. I, I mean, know. really weird. But you know what? This has been a constant. Uh, this is this is something that's not exclusive to Bill O'Brien. This is an NFL thing. Yeah, I At think least exactly. over the last decade. So You're exactly right. In the first four games of the year, let's just let's go back to when I started here in 2009. In the first four games of the year, the Texans have had an absolute stinker. Absolute stinker of a game. Yeah. 2009 started first first game. Aaron or uh Mark Sanchez's first 2009. Start. Yeah. Jets come oh. here come in here and smoke the Texans. 2010 after he beat Washington on the road to go to two and zero. You come back home, and the Giants. Giants, yeah. I mean, yep. just embarrass you. 2011. Can't remember which one it was, but you're you're three and three. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. So you had to have. I know there was a Raiders game in there that was ugly. Oh, gosh. before that, I'm sure there was something else. Uh, 2012 is the exception because you started five and zero. Right. Thirteen, the Seahawks game. Fourteen. What was that? Uh, you get into the Colts what, Thursday night. Yeah, game. Colts Thursday night game. They that get was a huge lead. Horrible, 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 horrible. And you chip away, and you just yeah. fifteen the opener. Sixteen, you go up to New England, and you absolutely Ooh. just get 
drilled by a third-string quarterback-led team. Now it's the Patriots, but you should have played better than that. Yeah. 17, the opener against yeah. the Jaguars. It, this is not exclusive to the Texans. It's not exclusive to Bill O'Brien. It's ugly. You're going to have an ugly outcome in the NFL well, early in your season probably. Remember in, in – uh you brought the 2016 game with the Patriots up there. Patriots are riding a high. You know, they're 3-0 and at that point. Yeah. The next week, they played Jacoby Brissett. Again, they've got a mini-bye and a full week to prepare for a division team. Jacked. Bills go in there and just pound them. Yeah. And it's like, what mm-hmm. is going on? I mean, you have those. The year that the, the, uh, the, year that the 2017, the next year, when the Texans went to New England and they had that battle back and forth, and the Patriots end up winning 36-33. The next week, the Panthers go in there. And McCaffrey was a rookie, and they still had to kind of open things up. And they had guys running wide open, and Cam hit, and they they beat the Patriots. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is going on? I mean, you're right. It happens in the NFL for every team. It's just a, it's gotten to be sort of a weird league that way, yeah. at least through the first four or five weeks. And then teams sort of, you, you right, they regress to the mean. I call it homeostasis. They're kind of finding an internal balance. And uh-huh. then it starts to level off. And then you start to see teams, okay, this team's starting to break away from the pack. They're playing better consistent football. To me, that's what the NFL's about, we being see, consistent. We saw our pal Daniel Jeremiah, NFL yeah. Network, a couple weeks back in Los Angeles. He does a color commentary for the Chargers broadcast. We saw him before the game, and he was like, you don't know who anybody is first right. four weeks. You know, I mean, you really no – you can't – you take it seriously because it counts. Right. And it counts in the standings, but – you don't truly know what the identity of any of these teams are because, hey, look what look what the Chargers do. They went cross-country. Right. I mean, it was it was the Dolphins, but they blew their doors off. Right. So, anyways. Uh, okay, so that's my one of my one reasons for a rebound. The other one, something's got to give because either the big plays are going to come back, the deep strikes, because the yep. Texans had a reception of 30 yards or more in each of the first three games. Right. Didn't have that this weekend. Yep. That's going to come back, or if it doesn't, that's gonna. It, it, if it won't come back, it's gonna be because the Falcons are playing back and keeping safeties back. Right. Kind of what Deshaun described in the post game press conference, sure. very uh, succinctly, but very uh, thoroughly. Very thoroughly. If that does, if if they do play that way, your run game will feast. It's yeah. gonna happen. Okay. Yeah, that's to me. If you're gonna sit back there and cover four, cover six, cover two, those are all versions of two safety high coverages. If you're gonna leave two safeties high. The whole time against us, we're eventually, we're eventually going to start bagging those runs. So you want to get to my, I my two, reasons man. for optimism. I want your two. Number one, I know people will go hold up, offensive line. I think the offensive line they've been fine has actually done a pretty solid job. They have had four different combinations. Now they would have gone with the same combination. That was the plan all along. But Zach Fulton's back apparently locked up on him before you know driving to the game or getting to the game. And what Bill O'Brien said was that they got it loosened up, and they thought they maybe could get him ready, but they just didn't want to push it, so they so they didn't, they didn't do it. But with Zach Fulton in the lineup, with the the combination you had the other day, if that's what you go with, and hopefully that's what they're going with going forward, they're going to have an opportunity to get the run game going. They had chunk run plays, but they just kind of kept missing the passing game. I thought the the one other aspect about the game the other day was. They just kept shooting themselves in the foot, mm-hmm. and I think the more you, you the more you play with each other, the more you play alongside one another. You get used to cadences, you get used to timing. You can play a little faster, but I think the offensive line 
In fact, I just saw a tweet from Brandon Thorne. Brandon Thorne is a media member, and he covers, uh, does a lot of offensive line, defensive line stuff. He's based out of Denver, uh, and he's pretty good. He's, he's really worked at learning the offensive, defensive line. And he tweeted something about the, the sacks this past week not all being, in fact, not even close to being on. Bill O'Brien told us of six, I'd only put one of them on the offensive line. And Brandon said the comment, uh, he said this offensive line has been playing better than some may think these last couple of weeks. They're giving them lots of time to throw. And one of the, one of the sacks that they ended up giving up was the nickel. The nickel came on a blitz. They per- picked it up perfectly. But what happened was Carlos Hyde trying to help on the nickel, even though Titus had it. Carlos knocked Titus off the block and then went out to his route, and then that nickel kept coming on Deshaun. If Carlos just swings to his route knowing that Titus has got the nickel, Deshaun scoots out to the right, and Hop is working his route back to the other side of the field wide open. It would have been a 35, 40-yard game. And see, that's something, that's something that comes with a little bit of time. Carlos Hyde gets here late. And I'm not putting on Carlos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just that's helping. what I'm saying, too. It's, it's just he – and what happened was he hit Titus right in the elbow, and that made Titus go out of the game for a little while. But I just think the offensive line has gotten better, mm-hmm. even though they didn't run the ball exceptionally well against the Chargers. They picked up some big chunk plays in the run game the other day. I just feel like they're doing a, a much better job than they have over the years, which isn't saying a whole lot. But I just think that they're playing better together. This offensive line is going to get better and better by the week. And I don't. you're not going to face Boson Ingram. You're not going to face Davenport and Cam Jordan. You're not going to – well, you will face Calais, Calais Yannick, and, and Josh Allen. You will, But you held them – Really, you held Ace Campbell without a sack. You're only going to get Von Miller later in the year because yeah, Bradley Chubb's no gone. No Bradley Chubb. Yeah. So, you know, the Raiders aren't going to throw a ton at you. So you, you're going to get a little bit of a break from that perspective, from the edge rushers in particular. Now, you'll see Tack McKinley and, and Vic Beasley, but those guys have sort of regressed a little bit in their pass rushing. So you're not facing quite the the, the type of defensive lines that you have seen. Brady mm-hmm. Jarrett's a dude, but he's an interior guy, so maybe you can do some different things against him. But – I think this offensive line has given me a real good reason for optimism. Here's, okay. my, here's my second one. It's really a player, but it's sort of symbolic. Because I think we know about, you know, J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, et cetera, and Justin Reed. Zach Cunningham, to me, is playing his guts out. Zach Cunningham has become, if people are paying attention, one of the better inside linebackers in the AFC, one of the more versatile linebackers in the AFC. And you mentioned talking to DJ, Daniel Jeremiah. He came down to the field. Uh, about 35, 40 minutes before the game started. And so he was kind of making his way around the field. He said, that's kind of the old scout in him. He likes to go down and see the players down on the field just to get a feel for it as opposed to just watching on film, seeing what close is huge. And I, I agree. That's, that's really kind of been a part of my draft preparation. And so he said that really helps him in his draft prep to see the, the team, the NFL teams, what these players actually look like. And so we were talking a little bit. And it's funny, we were kind of talking about our gigs and what we're doing and how much we like and all that. And then we started talking about the teams, each team. And the first name that he brought up, the first name, was Cunningham. And he said, I don't think people are giving him enough credit for how good he is. And I was like, I know. And he said, I thought, he, said, I thought he was light coming out of Vandy and I worried about that. He said, but it really doesn't matter because he flies to the ball. He's phenomenal yeah I think he had 14 tackles the other day and I I think because he missed three games last year he even let he led the team in tackles and he missed three games if he tacks on another you know 30 tackles over those three games 
he's in the 130, 140 range. I don't know how you keep him out of the Pro Bowl at a minimum. And BMAC made it, and BMAC deserved to go. I think Zach Cunningham deserves to be there. And Zach is – he's the one piece that you can – okay, it's McCaffrey this week. You know, it's, Zach's kind of the X Let's talk about that. You, you brought it up in your Harris hits. I mean, McCaffrey had a great game. That's yep. because he's an outstanding player. He's very He good. got his. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't go off. No, he didn't go crazy. Think about his longest play was a bad pass that he somehow corralled yeah. in, tipped to himself. Good grief. And that was an amazing play by an amazing player. But for the most part, that's like um, holding Alex English to about 19 points and 10 boards when he goes off normally for 30 points and, and does Man, does a lot of damage. You want Alex English. That's I like to. He needs to get a little bit of uh, a yeah, little bit of love. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I when back before buying uh, NBA, NFL jerseys, all that was in vogue. I I still have an Alex English old school <laughs> rainbow really? rainbow Those horizontal cool. rainbow jersey. And you're right. It's sort of like holding Alex English to 19 points. Like he on, got his on 30 shots. Yeah, yeah. Like it, he scored, it, but it, you didn't. He didn't kill you. Took him 30 shots to do it. And that's the thing. And I saw this brought up. I think maybe maybe Sean Pendergast had, had written this, or I saw this tweeted by someone. If the Texans end up finding a way to win that thing, 17-16, then you point at what McCaffrey did. And say, yeah. look, he only he had 180 yards, but it took him 37 touches to do it. Then when the Panthers win, and obviously he makes that big play that he made that juggling catch, you point at it and go, he was a warrior. He was the guy that controlled they the ball be, and all that They better be careful stuff. with that, though. They better not run him into Oh, no, I know. And that's, that's what I worry They're about. They're going to have to really like scale back. Drew, I said that during the game. I said I've seen, every, I've, seen, I've seen almost every running back in the league up close. I mean, Zeke, Gurley, I've seen them all. There are some impressive. I mean, Sa- Saquon Barkley is yeah. one of the most impressive dudes I've ever seen. McCaffrey would stand next to all those guys and like, no, 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 hey, dude, the JV game is going on over there. <laughs> and yet that dude is tough. Yeah. He took some of the best shots I've seen a running back take in this building, and he just popped right back up. Yep. And he was always going forward. But Zach Cunningham is the guy that can help match up with Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. He can match up with Christian McCaffrey. He can help you on those running backs that you didn't have prior to, to Zach being here he can match up on a tight end Mm -hmm. he can blitz he can move outside he's as valuable as anybody on this defense and I said it last year and I'll say it again he's as valuable as anybody you have on the defensive side of the ball because that so he's your cream of the crop I'm guessing then huh the cream of the crop yeah he'll be my cream of the crop there's your cream of the crop because two birds with one stone yeah all right well my cream of the crop is another defender the cream of the crop it's JJ Watt six tackles yeah he gets the sack which was also a forced fumble, and then he recovered the fumble as well. Had two QB hits, and I don't care what anyone says, that near sack of Allen was a remarkable play by J.J. Oh. and an even more remarkable play by, by Allen. What a play. I mean, it was – It's somebody else should have come up – because of what happened, it should have been ripe for you know disaster. Even though he missed that sack, somebody else could have been around. Yeah. Somebody else in the secondary could have made a play, but – you got to give credit where it's due. That was an amazing play by Allen, but I thought he had a hell of a game. He's still fighting through the doubles and triples yep. and uh, still making an impact. Helps limit these guys. He's part of, of many who limit these guys to 16 points, John. 16 points. 12, I think he's really yeah. hitting his stride, so that's my uh, cream of the crop. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. I like the way that that entire front is playing. We, we could all, you could throw Whitney Merciless in there. I'm going to throw a name in there and a guy that didn't have – 
In fact, he didn't have the stats, and the stats probably don't back it up. Go with DJ Reader. Exactly. Yeah. That was my other guy was DJ Reader. I mean, he's – DJ Reader is phenomenal. I don't even think the stats back it up how good he's actually playing. I mean, that strip sack, I did tell Strader on that strip sack that Whitney had. Mm-hmm. The reason that Kyle Allen moved off the spot was because DJ Reader was taking Matt Paradis <laughs> and using him, as you like to say, as a throw pillow. Yeah. And taking Paradis and just driving him back into Allen. Allen's like, I got to get out of Dodge. And as he gets to the right – that's where Whitney – and when he's had three of his sacks thus far this year, when a quarterback has done that, he's gotten push up the middle, the quarterback decides I'm bailing to the right, and here comes Witt. He got Breeze that way, he got Minshew that way, and he got, uh, he got Kyle Allen that way. And that's also the best way to get the ball out too. Quarterback's bailing, you start to take off, so you start to run, so you put that ball in one hand. Swat. And just swat and get it. And that's what J.J. did. That's what – J.J. was unbelievable. To stick that left arm in there and do what he did. That was inc- And to get the ball – at such a key time in the game. We're watching great. I mean, and they almost got Allen at another key time. I know. Think about that. Ugh. And I know, as great a play as that was to get the strip sack, I guarantee you when he laid his head on the pillow on Sunday night. He was burning up inside. It was killing him. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was killing him. Amazing. Absolutely killing him. Amazing stuff. Okay, before we go back to 1999 where you and I were, let's remember, post-game entertainment starts with Redbox. Redbox has the newest movies. Fresh from the theater, starting at just $1.75 a night. And for $3 a night, try the hottest video games for PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch. Go to the box at your favorite retailers or stream new movies instantly on demand. That's right. You can stream. So get together with family, with friends, the crew, whoever. Make it a movie night. Make tonight a red box night, John. Early October 1999. I was a senior in college at SMU. I was uh, having a good time. I was probably going through interviews. I'd started to think, well, I need to get a job after I graduate. So I interviewed with Anderson Consulting. Oh, gosh. Which became Accenture. (laughs) Yeah. I made it through like three rounds. And by the time I got to the third round, I was in the the waiting room with a few of my other classmates. And they all looked at me like, what the absolute hell (laughs) are you doing in here? Because it was me, a communications major and Spanish major with a bunch of business nerds. And so, uh, yeah, I didn't get the job. But interviewed with them, interviewed with Bain, didn't get far there. Yeah. I was going through the, the interview process, and I wound up getting a job with Bank One yeah. in December. And uh, I took it. So, yeah. But I was going through all that. And on October 6th, the Texans were awarded to Bob McNair. They weren't called the Texans then, but he got that 32nd NFL franchise. But I was in, in school – and I was excited, but I was still kind of focused on other things. Yeah. And I was like, what's my future hold? What were you doing in 99, early October? October of 99, uh, Paige Harris was uh, pregnant All right. with, uh, with Jack. Uh-huh. And I was at Episcopal High School in Jacksonville mm-hmm. coaching football. And 99 was my second year as, uh, as head coach. And we started off, we started off kind of rough. We, we actually – in 99, there was a a hurricane that was coming at was, – was headed at Jacksonville. So, mm-hmm. week two, we get pounded. We, we just had, like, a rough game. I mean, it was really, really bad. We got beat 58 50, – yeah, 58 to nothing. And it was bad. It was one of those nights that I I so want to leave my memory bank, and it just doesn't. So, in between that week and the next week, there was a hurricane coming at, at Jacksonville. And – we had to evacuate. And, of course, the last minute this thing turns. And so we drove to Georgia, 
Thing turns, we drove right back, and we had been told we're going to follow what the Duval County schools do. And Duval County was out for the next few days, but the, our school decided we're going to play the game. I'm like, we're going to play the game on Friday night? We haven't practiced, we haven't done anything. I don't even know where my players are. I had to call my quarterback in North Carolina and say, Kyle, you need to get back here. Kyle Hicks, my quarterback. I was like, you need to get back here. It was well, like a dumb decision by the school. <laughs> we got beat 40 to nothing. Yeah. Uh, they just drilled us. And so we lose those two games back-to-back. But about October 6th, we ended up getting, a, we ended up getting our first win. And I, th- I think it may have been – actually may have been the week of October 6th. We were going to play a team in Tampa, a team called Tampa Berkeley Prep. And we were playing down there. Lo and behold, a hurricane is coming right at Tampa. And so this was one of those games where our school connected with Tampa Prep and said, we'll send our swimming team, our volleyball team, our football team, and I don't know, cheerleading. Whatever. We were sending everybody down there. Well, as soon as the hurricane was coming at Tampa, everybody backed out yeah. on our side except us because AD came to me and said, look, this hurricane's kind of turning. We're going to move the game up time-wise. I'm like, we got a three-hour drive. Yeah. I was like, we're going to move the game up like two hours. The hurricane's coming, uh, but it looks like it might turn, like turn south of us, south of Tampa. And I was like, look, man, whatever you got to do. I mean, I'm 27 at the time, so I'm listening to whatever my AD says. He's like, yeah. look, if you're sending me down there, send me down there. So we get in. Uh, they like, all right, let's, they move the game up. So now I got to tell my radio crew that did the games. We're moving it up. I got to tell everybody. And so I'm now getting calls from parents like, y'all are going? My kicker decides not to go because his parents are freaked out. Mm-hmm. And I told the guys, like, look, we're going. They're asking us to go. We got to go. Everybody else backs out. We go down there, and we put a hurting on them. <laughs> I mean, they had a couple of really good players, and we just ran it on them all night. We ended up beating them 20 to 10. Yeah. Not one drop of rain. We get in the bus, and we kind of altered our way, our way home. But we never got one drop of rain at wow. all going down there and coming back. The hurricane had turned and stayed south and stayed south and then moved kind of or moved north, kind of north-northeast and stayed away from us. Mm. And it kind of cut south of us, and so we never got hit with any of it. But that was probably in and around October 6th that we had that, that game, which was one of my, my favorite wins, and we had that. And then shortly there, around that time, we found out the Texans were – Coming back to Houston, which was, I mean, even being in Jacksonville, I was like, that, obviously, Houston being home, I was like, this is cool. I was was happy. I was happy for everybody in Houston to get a team back. I got a fun little podcast that's going to come out late this week, this weekend. Um, It's going to basically take us back to 99, and you're going to hear Bob McNair in pretty much his last interview that he did, which was uh, spring of 2018. Right. He talks a little bit about then, and it's juxtaposed with some news clips of him from 99. Oh, wow. As well as a few other key players like Tagliaboo, Steve Patterson. Yeah. There's some fun stuff, and, and we're just, it's basically like kind of looking back in his words, so yeah. it's going to be a fun one, and I think uh, I know you'll enjoy it, and I think some of you guys out there listening might, and gals might like it too. So, John, this has been a long and necessary in the lab. Got a yes. lot off our chest. We turned the page, and we're excited. For yeah, the Falcons. absolutely. Let's yeah. get going. Let's do Founders, it. Founders Weekend. Uh, John, thank you. Listeners, thank you. Let's talk to you next time.